Welcome back to the Heat Check Podcast. I am your host, Chris Patrick. We are back for our November recording, and man, it is a good time to be a Valley sports fan. The Phoenix Suns season is in full swing. They're trying to make their way through the in-season tournament. The Arizona Cardinals are stumbling through their season. Kyler Murray's back, though, so there's a silver lining. And the Diamondbacks, of course, we uh, talked about their World Series loss, but a great season, and now heading into the offseason for them. So we're going to go ahead and dive into all of those topics tonight, but I have to introduce first my co-host joining me this evening. First, we have the 2023 Groomsman of the Year, boasting two times best man in 2023, four-time Groomsman, Michael Benjamin. What up, what up? I'm adding to the resume, fellas. How are we doing tonight? Doing good, doing great. How were all those uh, weddings for you, man? You had like three in a week? They were miraculous. They were marvelous. They were very enjoyable. But I'm excited to just coast into <laughs> the new year and not have to do any, any more weddings. So feeling good, feeling great. Absolutely. I was thinking about that. I feel like a, a lot of my friends are uh, married and I don't know how many more weddings. I think just yours, Mike, that uh, I have left to get out of the way. But yeah, Hurry up, Mike. We'll see. We'll see. No, nothing set in stone. No pressure. No pressure. But yeah, who is that voice you hear? That is the man with 5,482 games played in Player Unknown Battlegrounds, <laughs> ranked 369th in the world, Valley Sports Plug Tallman. Oh, hey, how's it going? I was not expecting that at all. No, that's a lot um, of games, man. That is. I haven't played that game in a long time, though, so give, I, give me some credit. <laughs> also, have another fun stat to go along with that, 85 days of gameplay logged Ooh. for what did, you, did you go and just look at that to in preparation for this? Yeah, I did that in show prep. Okay. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Hey, top 500, that's nothing to throw under the rug, man. I actually made oh, no, that. No, that, that is, I made that that is a total. Well, no. <laughs> that is some serious fabrication there. I mean, no, I didn't make that up. Is it really 85 days? We'll give it to him. It is really, it's 85 days exactly, which I was kind of surprised by. God, man, I, what am I doing with my life? I've been feeling the itch again, though, man. We might have to dust that one off, especially now that I got the new Xbox. Oh, yeah. Oh, probably buttery. crispy, man. But we're not here to talk about video games as much as I would love to, because you guys know I'm an avid gamer, but... Let's dive right into this first topic, man. The Phoenix Suns, they're on a six-game win streak. They had their in-season tournament game. Today, we're recording this on Friday, November 24th, the day after Thanksgiving. Uh, They beat the Memphis Grizzlies by uh, double digits. And so now their only hope to get into the wild card is if uh, a couple teams lose. Is that right, Mike? That's right. It's obviously when it comes down to the in-season tournament, everybody's still trying to kind of figure it out, even though our group play is finished, right? We're still waiting to see kind of what happens with some other teams to see if the Phoenix Suns can make that wild card spot, I guess, because there's one from each conference, and it seems like it's going to come down to differential. So today was a big game, and the Suns did it in a big way with that 110-89 to win. Unfortunately, Kevin Durant did miss this one. He's been the healthiest on this team so far, but had uh, wasn't feeling too good with the foot today, so Bates Diop started for him. But we had contributions from guys that we've been seeing doing it early this season. Eric Gordon had 20 points. Grayson Allen had 14 points. Man, he had a lot of forced turnovers today as well. And then Devin Booker, no KD, so he went off. He had 40 points, four assists, five rebounds, and four steals, man. It's going to come down to that point differential, like I said, because we're waiting to see what happens with the Nuggets, Pelicans, Kings, and the Wolves. Right now, New Orleans and Denver are both 2-1 and one in Group B. 
Um, New Orleans has a 0.7.7 differential, and Denver has plus three. I believe Denver is down kind of big right now to the Houston Rockets, so that works in our favor. And then Sacramento and Minnesota both have are just 2-0, and oh, um, but the Kings are playing the Wolves tonight, and I think they were up a little bit early. The Pels play the Clippers at 8.30. So it kind of sucks because the Suns are stuck waiting to see kind of what happens, and these other teams kind of know what they have to get. So even if they're up big in one of their games, they'll be able to kind of put their starters on the floor and push the pace, see if they can really expand on their leads, maybe blow out some teams by 30. But that's what the Suns did today, too, to give themselves a good cushion, right? Yeah, we saw we saw Book chucking up shots right until the very end of the game. He banked in a three with about, uh, what, 15 seconds left or something like that. I'd like to say he called that, but we'll, we'll never know, unfortunately. We'll never know. And it was funny because uh, we were watching it uh, on, like, uh, streaming it through my, to my TV through YouTube TV. And uh, we both got the ESPN notification of the final score. So we knew they scored a three-pointer. And I look at Mike and I was like, oh, who do you think it is? And he's like, probably Book. And I say, oh, I think it's going to be Eric Gordon. He's open in the corner. And sure as shit, Booker just takes it himself. And maybe he called bank. Maybe he didn't. But yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, this in-season tournament, man, uh, like you mentioned, that point differential there. Uh, if the wins and losses are the same, it comes down to who had more points, you know, scored more than their opponents and whatnot. So that's that's what's making this kind of interesting. And so as we've like, st- as I'm hearing you talk there, like I remember when we did pass the outlet earlier this week. Uh, we talked about the in-season tournament, and uh, I'm not I'm not a big fan, and we can dive into that a little bit more. But uh, now that now hearing you talk about it, I'm I'm kind of intrigued because I'm like, ooh, now like if these other teams lose and we can get in, or if the points work out, Talman, what do you think of the in-season tournament? Is this is this make you more interested in watching the Suns play? Well, yes and no. Um, I think it's a it's a great idea. I, I like the idea of it, um, and it's one of those things where it's so new and. You know, it's going to take a couple of years, I think, for people to really get into it. But at the same time, it's like, what's that saying? What the NBA season doesn't start until after Christmas. So what do they? What does the league have to lose to, you know, have this in-season tournament? So it's a great idea. Obviously, it's going to generate a lot more revenue for the league and for the owners. Uh, but I think it gives you a little more excitement, right? Because sometimes the regular season is just so. I don't know. It's a long, long regular season. It definitely is. I know we, t- Chris, last time on the pod, we talked a little bit about should it be shortened, but it it, it adds more excitement to it. Um, and I, I don't know. I I like it. I think some of the courts, the special courts they have, some of them are kind of awful. Um, yeah, some are some are uh, better <laughs> like, than like the others. all red one. It's like it's hard to it's hard to watch someone play basketball on an all red basketball court, but. Um, I don't know. I think it's I think it's nice, and then uh, it'll be kind of cool to see the the final game in Vegas, and they're playing for that trophy. And you know, some of the lower guys. When I say lower, I mean some of the guys that don't make LeBron James money. Um, maybe a hundred or excuse me, five hundred thousand dollars is you know, it means something to them, right? Yeah. Uh, so it's I I don't know. I like the idea so far, but like I said, a couple years they you know get it under them for a couple years. I'm sure it'll be um, a lot better. Yeah, I, I think that's completely fair. I mean, it's the very first year. The, they're going to work out some kinks. I imagine there will be a little bit of shifting uh, going on. But it is it is intriguing, right? Because just watching that game today, the, the players were playing harder in a game in the, the end of November going into December. I mean, we're not even into the dog days yet. I know, Mike, you and I on past the outlet were talking about, you know, maybe this tournament happened a little early in the season. I think you and I would, were both talking about wanting to see it potentially near the end of December, right? 
Yeah, end of December, early January. But you did bring up a good point, Chris, when it comes down to maybe why they did put it where it is, because they're competing with the NFL. I know they structured the games around game days, so you're not doing in-season tournament games on Sunday, but it's giving you that purpose to continue to tune in on Tuesdays and Fridays. And Chris, I know you were talking about earlier how you've been really getting into over and unders on NBA games. Yep. You should be betting every single Tuesday and Friday (laughs) on the over because these teams are going to be pushing it to the very end. But got to echo what Tallman said as well. Obviously, this is the first iteration. You're going to see what works, move the kinks through. But it's a new wrinkle to the game. It's something different. So I'm always at the perspective of giving something a chance to see if it works. And then if it is you know, gaining traction, people are liking it, and the incentives work for the players. I think that's the biggest thing, too. Yeah. Not only for the fans. True NBA fans are going to be invested no matter what throughout an entire season. doesn't matter. But if you can get those people who are basically just like, oh, I'm not going to watch until the end of March, until playoff basketball is coming up, because that's when the true game is going on. People are fighting for seeding and whatnot. And there's no NFL, no, no baseball NFL. Is just getting started. It's kind of one of the main sports that are still on TV, either than the NHL. But yeah, give it some time, Chris. Give it some time. Maybe it'll grow on you. Sounds like it might have already just yeah, a little bit. It might it might be creeping up a little bit. And yeah, I am I'm with I'm with you guys. I think I'm curious to see where it goes in the next couple years. Uh, especially if guys play hard. I, I think they should uh maybe address the incentive structure a little bit. I don't know if uh just giving them money, a little extra money is really that much of a carrot uh, like for some guys it is for sure because i mean five hundred thousand dollars even if you are making a lot of money is not nothing you know that's a that's a fun weekend or three or five i don't know how quickly these guys run through money but it's a new car yeah it's a new <laughs> car man yeah it's a down payment on another property you know build your net worth a little bit the one thing i would say about that though is the guys who really get the true benefit from the money aren't really making the impact in these games right yeah. like if the Suns were to somehow make a run and win the in-season tournament, Saban Lee is going to make some nice cash added on top of it. Is Saban Lee going to play in any of these games? He's not. Probably he, not. At this point, he doesn't have a spot on this roster. So, But hey, give him some carrot. Maybe D-Book is pulling extra, dropping 40 to make sure that Saban's getting that extra cash at the end of the day. Yeah, that's true. Look at looking out for his guys cuz I mean, I don't know what the league minimum is these days. I think it's probably somewhere between 600 and 750,000. Uh but yeah, so literally when you when you put it in that way, then 500,000, that's basically doubling your year's earnings just by winning one tournament. I mean, whether you had a role in it or not. But don't discredit those guys on the bench. Like obviously, we've had this conversation, Mike. Uh just going to mention Pass the Outlet one more time. Anyone who doesn't know, Mike and I do a show on YouTube, and also here on Spotify where we just talk basketball, any basketball topic, not just NBA. We like to touch on college basketball. We've talked about the big three, the slam ball league that happened, our own experiences playing basketball, and a couple pretty cool interviews with some uh, some court attendants and uh, players as well. So make sure you check us out there. But in mentioning the, the in-season tournament and everything, I think, uh, yeah, I'm willing to give it a chance, willing to see where it goes. And uh, at the end of the day, why not, you know? Give it a shot. It doesn't change anything. They're still playing their same 82. Mike, I think you said that if they play in the championship game, they'll end up playing an 83rd game, uh, but really inconsequential because I don't think they won't factor that game into like standings or anything. So it, 
it won't have an impact as far as that goes. It also won't factor into stats overall, which is kind of odd, but Oh, wait, really? Yeah. Oh, the, no, the that's just a championship game, right? Just a championship oh, okay. game, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. yeah. somehow, I mean, this tournament is going to start, I think, around December 2nd, and it runs for about 10 days. So there's a lot of unscheduled stuff still that we're waiting to see kind of pan out. So uh, it's going to be interesting, to say the least. And that's one of the other facets why I'm so intrigued with this in-season tournament, because what happens down the road with having to reschedule games against Eastern Conference teams, like say the Bucks and the Celtics make it in and they have to play each other again. Because normally you play Eastern Conference teams maybe three to four times and you play Western Conference teams if you're from the East just twice a year, right? One at home, one away. So if a team plays somebody in the championship because it's East versus West, that's inconsequential. You can still roll with that. But if you're playing your same conference opponent another way, does a game in February get changed and then they have to move things I around? I didn't even think like, about that. Yeah. That's a, still... that's so, so it's a fluid schedule right now like mm-hmm. with the with the league through this tournament. I didn't even think about that. That's huge. That's that's a very interesting, interesting point. Definitely something I think we should dive deeper on. But in the sake of moving things forward and covering all the topics we have on the docket tonight... Guys, we have yet to see the Suns' big three in action all at the same time in the regular season. Uh, first, it was, I think, Devin Booker out. Then it was Bradley Beal out. Uh, Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal were out today. Tallman, uh, are you optimistic still for the big three being able to have enough games together going into a potential playoff run this offseason? Or this postseason, I should say? Yes, I, I think so. I think um, them shutting down Beal... Probably until after Christmas. I mean, let's be real. I mean, he's probably we'll yeah. probably see him again after Christmas. Him, shutting him down right now just makes sense. You know, get him, uh, get him on the bench, get him rest up. None of this. He plays two games and he misses three. Plays one, misses two. It's like it just the guy needs to get healthy. So um, they made the right choice by shutting him down. We'll probably see him again after Christmas. But I mean, even then, I mean, we there's still. I already mentioned it's a long season, and uh, I know seeing Durant not play today. I mean, that doesn't scare me though. Durant's been, you know, their most available uh, piece of the big three this entire season. Uh, but I, I think they'll have more than enough time to come back. And, and it's going to be, it's going to be a thing to watch for sure. Cause even just watching this team with Booker and uh, Durant and, you know, we're, we're, we're beating up on some teams, some good teams too. And then you forget, you're like, Oh yeah, we, we still have Bradley Beal coming back. Right. So it's like, wow, just, I mean, this team is already a powerhouse with Booker and Durant because they're just absolute superstars. Like just, it's going to be so awesome to get Beal back. But I think there's going to be enough time for them to get, build that chemistry. And what Beal played two games this season, right? Is it three? Okay, three. And I mean, he, he had a couple, or what, I think, I know he scored like 24 points in one of the games, but I think, yeah, that was when Booker was out. Um, But they're going to have more than enough time to get it together and, uh, I think they're going to do something special this year. I sure hope so, man. And I, I want to remain optimistic, too. I mean, it's Bradley Beal dealing with what's been uh, listed as lower back tightness, uh, as far as I know. And everyone keeps saying, you know, back back injuries are nothing to take lightly. You got to take this stuff seriously. And I, I totally get that. Like, as someone who's had a back injury playing basketball myself, um, 
you know, depending on the severity, it, it really can affect your game. And so I, I'm with you, Tallman. I want him to get healthy. I want him to be 100%. None of this, you know, playing him at 60% or whatever, just to have him be out of the lineup again, get him right. But I do hope that they get to play enough games together where they can build that chemistry, figure out the rotations. Because, Mike, we were really optimistic this offseason about how deep our team was going to be. Is it as deep as we thought, or is it a little more shallow? It's really tough to see the full vision right now when you can't get your rotations in order, right? We've had to continue to put guys in roles that they just weren't brought in to do. You have to commend guys like Eric Gordon and Grayson Allen because they've stepped into the starting lineup and have been, honestly, from their standpoints, they've been spectacular. I know, Chris, you've been giving a lot of flowers to Grayson Allen, and deservedly so, man. This guy has stepped in, started every single game, and has done what he's needed to do in order to keep this team afloat. Now, we know the engine runs off of Devin Booker, so we saw the jack stomping we put on the Grizzlies today, (laughs) even though KD and Beal are out. But that's just because Devin Booker's in his prime. He is the guy. He's the lead. He, He is what this Phoenix Suns team is so man I just think back to the last heat check podcast that you guys had and your discussions about what's the amount of games we might see the big three all play together for and I don't know guys call me the doomer I don't know if I'm betting over 35 games played in the regular season between this wow. big three I, I think I'm with you Mike okay. uh, Tallman you are I you think, um, you taking I, the over I remember- on that? I'm going to take the over on that for sure. Um, I want to say, when we did, Chris, did I say 50 or did I say 60? It was optim. It was, it was at very least optimistic. 50. Yeah. yeah, I think I, I don't know. I think it was either 50 or 60. But And that was a month ago but when we only Yeah, had yeah right. No, I'm, I'm taking the over for sure on that 35. Um, I think. Because uh, we're, what, 16 games into an 18 yeah, game yeah. season already? Beal's going to get hooked up with Shaq. He's going to get some icy hot. And homeboy's <laughs> going to be okay. His back's going to be feeling nice and good. Free of charge. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Maybe he'll star in a commercial next year. Who knows? So let me let me put it this way, Tom. There's 66 games left for them to play. They haven't played a single one yet. Okay. So that's the thing, right? So and we got teased against the Timberwolves, right? When we were, oh, yeah, we were thinking that Talk about blue yeah. this was going to be Devin Booker's game back. We were finally going to see these guys all get together and at home at that point ticket sales probably skyrocketed through the roof for about 18 hours and then at the last final ding they said that bradley beal was gonna get shut down well they did they said he wasn't gonna play in that game and i think either a day or two after is when they said he was gonna get shut Shut down down, for the three weeks but yeah they they made the right call but when it comes down to what we know from before this season and what we've seen for a track record of five years it's these guys can't even play 65 games an entire season and you also have to factor what the eternal goal is for this team right which is to make a deep playoff run and get a championship there's gonna be one-off days where guys can't go yeah do you think that Kevin Durant really had a true, complete sore foot that would have held him out from tonight, guys? No, they saw that we were playing the Memphis Grizzlies. Yep. Maybe he had a small tweak, so they sat him out so he can get ready to go to New York and put on a display against the Knicks. That, that's that's just what we see in the NBA game nowadays. So not only if our guys are going to be healthy, there's going to be one-off days where one of them misses. And... We still haven't seen the true Devin Booker quad issue. Oh, 
that oh, takes man. a month. Well, it's usually the, the either the hamstring or the, the quad. Ha- the right? hammy, yeah, right? The hammy, so we yeah. had the quad earlier, but the hammy is normally a year issue so for the past three seasons. <laughs> it is due. Obviously, Bradley Beal is already broken. The KD ankle is a and concern. K- KD's 35 years old. Yeah. It's gonna, he's going to yeah. get dinged up at some point this season. But so you're KD... asking them to play ha- at this point more than half of the remaining games together. I think that's a tall, a tall task, man. Yeah, but Katie gets those veteran days off, right? Because he qualifies for whatever that that rule was. Yeah, um, I don't have it in front of me. But why, why, why use him if you don't have to? Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, you could, you could, you he could, dude. That's the thing. Like with these things, like there's always going to be ways. Because Kevin Durant could literally say he woke up with a migraine and he can't play. Like it could be Absolutely. anything. I got a, t- I got a stomach ache. I, I have food poisoning. You know, yeah. you could come up with any bullshit. So he, like, he must have had way too much fun on Thanksgiving. No, I think I think it was just too much yeah, green oh, bean yeah. casserole. It's like, yeah, yeah. What, what do you do to your phone on Thanksgiving? But Tal, did you man? have something? Or I had a yeah, question yeah, for I was going to say, okay, sorry. Um, so, because you, you mentioned, what, there's 66 games left. Yep. Um, we have 11 games until after Christmas. So, what, that puts us at 55 games remaining on the season. But, like, like we already said, we know for a fact those three guys aren't going to play all 55 of those games after Christmas. So, I... You might be right. Thirty-five is a, a real number of how many games they're all going to play together. But I'm still taking it over. I'm I'm thinking uh, maybe a cool forty-two, Good. forty-three. Yes. Yeah. I like it. I think they need at least twenty-five games. Yeah. They should get that pretty easily. Yeah. yeah not, I think not that's the eight that they. Have I think that's Durant. attainable. Yeah, that's the thing, right? The last the last quarter of the season, if you get good camaraderie with everybody, really set in their positions, guys are free flowing. Then that one-off communication like we've been talking about Chris guys have been playing on the floor together so you sometimes you don't even have to make call outs for guys to know where to go right that comes with playing with each other we we 100% know this and we just haven't been able to get that out right now I mean we've had one-off injuries already from our bench guys too right Utah with his thigh Drew Eubanks was out today I know Eric Gordon has missed some games too so it's just going to be a continuous carousel with guys kind of going in and out. But if we can continue to keep the core together, especially when you get down to the playoffs, you know it shrinks to an eight, nine-man rotation. Right. If we know what we're doing in that account, we're going to be just fine. And like Devin Booker said at one of the press conferences before we went on this six-game winning streak, you got to tell the fans more so than the players to relax with early season stuff when you're looking at four and six. But that was where we were. We had some concerns, and we've been on a nice little winning streak. There's still little ifs and ands right now. I will say this six-game winning streak wasn't against all of the best talent either, so we'll have some good tests coming up early within the next couple of weeks as well, but they're moving in the right direction because when we did our Suns recap, we were in 10th place, right? We yeah. were at the bottom of the playoff standings if you were to start today with your planned tournament. Now, after today, we're sitting at fifth, two games out of first place. So early NBA season is always overreactions, but you try and go with what you see to start. That's all we can do. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, it's still a lot of reason to be optimistic with the Phoenix Suns. And whether they do only play those 20, 25 games together or if it is 30 to 40 games, we'll take it. Because the the talent, I think, will exceed any obstacle. And once we get into the playoffs, just the goal of having them all three be healthy and ready to go and r- go through that run is just exactly what we need right now. 
Uh, Tom, I don't want to go t- backwards too far and maybe not take up too much time on this, but I just I was thinking and talking about all of this. As a Suns fan, what was more disappointing? And I think I know the answer to this, but what was more disappointing? Was it Bradley Beal not being able to make the big three's first start together in the regular season? Or was it Kevin Durant spraining his ankle on before his first start playing with the Suns? That's a good question. Um, I'm going to have to go with Beal. Um, really? Was that that was that is okay? That is not yeah. what I expected. No. Spicy, Mike. Do you agree? Well, I don't. I think it was Kevin Durant. Okay, okay. Durant? No, I want to hear what Tallman says. Yeah, because yeah. all right. Well, I think it's easier to say that now because we are we all knew how. Or excuse me, we all know how last season ended, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's easier to sit here and say, for me personally, of course, it's my opinion uh, that I think Bill or Bill, uh, Bill? Beal has been more. Uh, it's been more disappointing because it's like. Yeah, I mean, come on. I mean, when that trade went down, how excited were we? We were, we were stoked, you know. Like, finally, we have the big three, and then DeAndre Ayton's out of here. So, like, this is the real deal now. And one thing I, I heard was it was like, it was like a opening your gifts on Christmas morning, and you get to look at them, but it requires batteries. But you don't have any batteries, so you can't play with your toys yet. That's perfect. All you can do is just look at it. So, I, yeah, I heard that. Uh, I think that was Dan Bickley said that. And that's, that's an incredible way to put it, where he's absolutely right. So we're sitting here looking at this nice, shiny toy that we can't play with. We can't, he can't play. You know, we, we haven't seen him play yet. And we don't, we don't know what this team looks like when he does play with the other two superstars on the team. So I didn't mean to throw a, didn't mean to throw you off there. Wasn't the answer you were expecting. No, I love it. So has, has Talbot swayed you, Mike, or do you still agree? No. Sorry, Tolman, you didn't swim. That's right. I think the biggest thing when it comes down to the Kevin Durant effect when all of the rumbling started in the summer before last season, it was the biggest player that had Valley ties to possibly coming to this team since Charles Barkley, right? Those discussions that we had. Because you can go back and think about other players that we brought in, right? When we signed Steve Nash... It was still kind of like we we didn't know that we were going to get a two-time MVP out of him. We knew he did great things in Dallas, but they weren't willing to pay him, right? When we signed Chris Paul, it was kind of similar, right? We knew he was a perennial all-star, a guy who had been really successful in this league, but was a little bit aging, a little bit older. So you were still kind of like, what impact can can he really give to us? even though he had had a great season with the Oklahoma City Thunder beforehand. You're talking about a top 75 guy that finally finds his way to the Valley, and everybody had been talking about him possibly being here for nine months, ten months. Yeah, the, It's the basically rumors, like tickling you, right? Rumors. Tickling you, because the Bradley Beal thing still caught us off guard, I Absolutely. think, when it comes down to us finally pulling that trigger and trading for him. So for him to go down... The people were hyped. It was going to be the first time they could lay eyes in Footprint Center with Kevin Durant in a Suns jersey. And for him to go down that way and then eventually miss about two and a half, three weeks, I think that was more shocking than asking if Bradley Beal, who hasn't played 50 games in five years, if he was going to be ready to go at the start of the season, especially when he hurt himself in the preseason. So unfortunately, that wasn't a surprise. 
Yeah, no, Mike, you're absolutely right. Like you were talking about us courting him for nine months. Like he was a target in the off season for a trade. It didn't happen, so we went through the season. Still nothing. I don't think a lot of us thought anything was going to happen. And guys, it was February 9th, twenty twenty three, that we traded for Kevin Durant. He has only been a son for two hundred and eighty eight days. So you talk about the hype and the buildup to get him here, to have him finally get traded to us. He was injured when we traded for him, said he was healthy. He was full. He was healthy. He was fully ready to go and just rolled his ankle in warmups and, and he was out. Uh, I, I would have to agree with Mike. I think that was way more disappointing, but that's not to minimize the fact that the Beal situation was massively disappointing, especially now that there's still no end in sight. Cause even when Beal is healthy, Unfortunately, there is no guarantee that one of those two other guys will be healthy at the same time. I mean, you can just hope, and so far, so good. Kevin Durant has, this is the first game he's missed all season, as far as I know. Devin Booker's finally healthy, and he's looking like he is in his prime. But he, like Mike and I were talking about, he just gets better every single year. And he's the guy that puts in the work in the offseason and does all these workouts and summer leagues and gets better. Uh, Mike, last thing before we kind of move on a little bit. I, I had written down here just a quick little toss toss out a uh, question for you. Is Devin Booker the best shooting guard in the NBA right now? Yeah. Who else would you say? I, I, I was thinking, like, since I wrote it down, I've been trying to think about it, and I had nobody really comes to mind. Luca's more of a point guard, right? Luca's a point guard. You yeah. don't categorize him as a shooting guard, even though they have Kyrie Irving. Mm-hmm. He dominates the ball too much. But, I mean, that's another conversation. Now that Devin Booker is basically running the show at a point guard position, can you classify him as a two guard anymore? Right. I think he has to get either a full season or two under himself before you can really say that he is the true point guard, even though he's running the show, right? Right. Uh, I know there was some conversations about Anthony Edwards. That was a big narrative before that Minnesota Timberwolves game because he has had a good start to this season, yeah. especially for the Minnesota Timberwolves who have been towards the top of the conference. But we saw what happened in that game. It was the first game that Devin Booker came back. He had an incredible game once again. And Anthony Edwards uh, didn't really make an impact whatsoever in that game. So I, I think that's an easy easy answer it's not paul george it's not jalen brown it's not jalen brown donovan mitchell no it's not james harden where do we start with don't start with james yeah harden, i was gonna say i'm not gonna start. start it's it's i'm not i you know i got love for james harden but it's not worth my it's not worth our time it's not worth your time anyone listening to hear us talk about james harden for five minutes um, so yeah, Devin Booker in his prime, best shooting guard in the league right now. Mike, you and I went to the Suns Warriors game on uh, Wednesday night earlier this week, and we got to witness the uh, other end of the Chris Paul Scott Foster rivalry. Uh, very interesting. I, I noticed that when they were announcing the officials, I was like, "Oh shit, Scott Foster, here we go!" And uh, sure as shit, uh, he got ejected after double technicals, I think within 30 seconds. And Steve Kerr also got a technical. Uh, Mike, we had a front row seat to that. What is your uh, immediate reaction to witnessing that? That was uh, th- Those are one of those things where it's kind of hard to go on both sides because obviously in that, st- in that standpoint, it probably helps the Suns. You know, they don't have another facilitator for the Warriors on the floor anymore. They're already down Draymond. 
And we saw it throughout that second half until their second unit made that run. But it's the first time Chris Paul is back in Phoenix. I want to see him play the entire game. Like Scott Foster continues to put himself at the forefront where people are not coming to the games to watch him ref. We're coming to the games <laughs> to watch the players play. Oh, weren't there like crazy amount of free throws in that game? Like there were 80 81 something? total free Fuck. throws. The sun wow. shot at, the sun <laughs> shot I think 52 or 55 free throws. That's crazy. I mean obviously that's a benefit for us, but that should never be happening in an NBA game whatsoever. No. Like it God, should How long never. was that game? Jesus. It L- went till after 11. Fuck. Yeah. It started wow. at 8. Started at 8. And cuz normally NBA games are maybe 220 between 220 and 240 yeah if that but it was funny i had seen on x somebody had posted uh, a picture of scott foster's shoes like they'll do <laughs> the hoka eights or whatever the hoka eights, you <laughs> saw that too i saw it yeah like they'll they have instagram accounts where they just take pictures of player shoes and like list what they are so it's like nba superstar scott foster <laughs> rocking the new hoka eights whatever and it's like that's that's probably how he feels man when it comes down to him getting onto the floor but it's not about him it's about the players chris paul called him a bitch and that was it for him. That so was a great video. It was, <laughs> it was kind of tough to see. I think at the end of the day, when I think about it, it was good for the Suns, obviously. But yeah. I wanted to see Chris Paul out there the entire game and see, you know, how this game would have went completely. Yeah, could have been a much different game. I mean, Suns had a twenty point lead at one point. Warriors fought back and made it close in the end, but the Suns were still able to have a decent lead to to close them out. Uh, I totally agree with everything you said there, Mike. Uh, Scott Foster is one of those officials that makes it about himself, and I have a lot of questions about him because of his ties to Tim Donahue and all of that, and just the way he officiates these games. It just uh, it makes me makes you wonder. Uh, we were talking about it literally at the game while it was happening. If if you're the league and you're scheduling these games and you know this is a thing, like why do you schedule Scott Foster to officiate Chris Paul games? Like there are plenty of readily available officiating crews where you can shuffle them to make it work. And instead, you continuously create these situations. Like, it just leads, like, it blends into those conspiracy theories of things being rigged or fixed or for the shows and the laughs, you know? They did it on purpose. Like, yeah. Tama, don't you think? They like think fucking they did it on purpose? They like the drama, man. It, it, get, yeah. it gets some extra clicks. I mean, more exposure. I mean, they're not worried about people thinking it's fixed. I mean, it's all about the drama. I mean, come on. Something you can put on ESPN on Thursday morning and have a 25-minute segment talking about it because it's in November of the NBA season. They're still trying to generate conversations from early season. But, yeah, it's his first game back. We know the narrative that has gone for years with Scott Foster as well. Why would you even put yourself in that position? So... For the league, do, do the positives of that pre- that attention and that free press outweigh the debt? Like, I think it's a bad look for the league for them to do that because we're not the only ones sitting here asking why is he officiating this game. It's They see it as a net positive for them, man, because it's drawing in clicks. It's no such thing as bad press, right? It's, it has people talking about the game this early within the season which is what they've been trying to do with the NBA in-season tournament, obviously. So you generate narratives somehow, and <laughs> we love the juiciness, right? We love when guys are having issues or fights on the floor and that kind of stuff because oh, yeah. it gives us 
uh, a talking point, right? It, it, like, exactly. Yeah, Rudy, Rudy Gobert getting, getting what, did he get fined for getting choked yeah, out? Yeah, the dude got choked and then he got ejected and fined. No, but that makes no sense. Yeah, I just think it's, it's absolutely ridiculous that they had Scott Foster officiating. Chris Paul's return to Phoenix. And they did a video tribute for him, uh, which was sweet. He got a sta- oh, did they really? They did. He got oh, a standing nice. O. Uh, people yeah. appreciate Chris Paul as they should. I he like did. Chris he did Paul. a lot for this organization. Yeah. I can't be mad. And he was traded. Uh, but another guy who was traded uh, also got a video tribute. DeAndre Ayton also made his return earlier in the week, and uh, there was a mixed reaction of uh, cheers and boos. Talman, uh, which side of that would you have landed on? <laughs> I heard there was a lot of boos. Um, I would have been booing. He got like a thirty-second tribute. Um, I would have been on the boo side and I don't know. I just, and then what, what's funny about that is the game went on and he had a classic Deandre Ayton game where he came out hot <laughs> in the first quarter. You're like, you're like, shit, this guy's got what he's got like 10 points, five points, reboint, points, like or, or rebounds in the first quarter. You're like this dude's about to drop 30 points. And then he comes back in the second half and he's non-existent, not involved at all in the game. And what I think he finished, uh, 18 points, like nine rebounds. Something that like is that, your yeah. typical DeAndre Ayton game. And that was what we got all the time when he was here in Phoenix. So I would have been on the boo side. Um, the guy is just so overrated. He gets He's so overpaid. And I'm so glad he's rotting away in Portland. Is that too harsh? No, I don't think no. so. Because okay. that's a, like I, was, I mentioned, he was also traded. But the difference is the way they went out. Like Chris Paul, I think wanted to still be here. I think it was pretty apparent that DeAndre Ayton was either indifferent or didn't want to be here. And the way last season ended, uh, there's a lot of speculation that Devin Booker didn't do his final press conference after that loss because of his frustration with DeAndre Ayton and feeling like he really cost them throughout. You know, throughout probably throughout the season and the playoffs, and especially in that game, he didn't. Pl- I don't think he even played in that last game of the season. And there's we've had so, so many conversations about that, and kind of like James Harden, I don't want to sit here and talk about DeAndre Ayton, but we we did Mike talk about how his stats are very much the same, if not a little bit less than he was last season, and I kind of expected him to just be like a, a empty empty stat sheet stuffer, you know, putting up thirty and fifteen or something, you know, twenty twenty and ten every night, but he just hasn't done that. He doesn't have the motor. DeAndre Ayton isn't that dude, and. Obviously, Yusuf Nurkic isn't like the the full answer for replacing him at center, but I would much rather have Yusuf Nurkic in here who understands his role, who will play his position rather than DA who thinks he's a star, but instead of playing up to his potential, he settles a lot. He sets screens that don't make sense and uh, really just is not not having the energy we need. And so addition by subtraction, you know, when it comes to that, but Phoenix Suns, man, they're going to keep on rolling. We'll have to see if they make this in-season tournament, uh, you know, advance into the next round. Going to be interesting to see how that goes. We do bi-weekly recaps of the Phoenix Suns season, so make sure you check us out on YouTube. Just search Valley Sports Plug, and you will find all of our videos. Uh, also recapping the Arizona Cardinals. So along those lines, Kyler Murray made his return for the Cardinals at home against the Atlanta Falcons, and they got the win in that one. Uh, Then this last weekend, they went to Houston to take on C.J. Stroud, and they took a loss there. Kyler Murray also seemed to take a step back uh, from his return. Uh, So, Tallman, I want to pass it to you first. Uh, What are you thinking so far through the first two games of Kyler Murray's return? I'm loving it. I don't know about you guys. He came back again in that uh, Atlanta game, and, you know, we were expecting some rust. We were expecting him not to 
uh, be as free with, with using his legs. And a lot of that didn't really happen. It, it was kind of classic Kyler coming back against Atlanta. And ultimately we saw what happened. We won the game. Um, then coming to the Tex, uh, to the Texans game, yeah, he regressed a little bit, but uh, we, it was bound to happen. We, we were waiting for that rust to show. The rust did show in that game, a game where we had multiple opportunities to win. It's just unbelievable. And I'm not putting it all on Kyler why we didn't win that game. I think it was poorly coached as well. Um, we had some questionable decisions there from a, a coaching standpoint. Uh, but Kyler coming back, I think he's he's shown a lot of, a lot of promise. Uh, the upside's there. Um, he's. I, I'm honestly. I was impressed when he came back in that first game, and I think he's he's playing some good ball. And I think he came back at the perfect time because we still have the whole rest of the season. We have so many more games to put him under a microscope and really pick apart his game. And I think he's going to excel. And um, ultimately, boys, I think he's going to be here uh, for the long run. So I was very, very happy to see some early success from him coming back off that injury. Yeah, especially in that Atlanta game, he really showed that he had no fear. He wasn't afraid to run it, which was one of my main concerns is a lot of times when guys come back from an injury like that, especially at the quarterback position, they're more hesitant to put the ball on the ground and just run with it. But he didn't. He didn't hesitate. He even got in the end zone, a rushing touchdown in that one. Mike, I mean, man, Kyler Murray did look really good in that Atlanta game, but then, like we're saying, in Houston, kind of took a step back, had some errant throws, some some behind-the-receiver throws. Uh, what do you expect from him going forward? To be completely 100% honest with you, I expect him to keep us in games, and we do got to catch a couple of these dubs. I think this upcoming game against the Los Angeles Rams will be a good test. Third game back, back at home. Matthew Stafford is just getting back into the fold as well, and we, mm-hmm. we're not sure if Cooper Cup is going to play just yet. I think he got a limited tag on Thursday. I think Puka Nakua is going to play as well, but that's what he has to do, man. He has to continue to put his best foot forward, and as far as last week, it was the offense as a whole that struggled. I think Drew Petzing's play calls obviously could have been better. Kyler Murray honestly didn't get too much help from the wide receiver core. I know one of the people that you touched upon, Chris, in the recap was Hollywood Brown and his continued disappearance. I don't know if it's because they're not putting him into proper situations to get him the ball early so he can really explode and just make plays with the ball in his hands or if it's continued too many deep shot routes. That's one thing we don't do here at Valley Sports Plug. If we can, if I don't know if I'm doxing ourselves, we're not watching the all 22 all the time. You know, <laughs> you know like, that's just not what we do right now. But then again, like Rondell Moore has that big catch to start the game, and then is just completely disappears. Doesn't have another catch. Greg Dorch, a guy who had one catch coming into the game, has is our leading receiver, six receptions for wow. 76 yeah. yards. So there's just still a lot of, a lot of learning curves to go along with Kyler Murray getting back into the system. Obviously, a guy who hasn't played in 11 months, it's going to take him some time. It's not all going to come back to him right away. But we're at the point, Kyler Murray is going to be our future quarterback moving forward. He's shored up. He's under contract for the next number of years. Oh, yeah. And let's be honest, when it comes down to where the Cardinals might draft, right now, if you look at Tankathon, we're sitting in the second spot. It's not going to be Kalen Williams or Derek May. Those guys have been dismal in college to start right now. 
And if you think about the way that this defense has been playing and the pending turnover from a defensive standpoint next year, it's not going to be like last season when we lost Zach Allen and dude for the Minnesota Vikings. Byron, Byron Murphy. Byron Murphy. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, he's made such a non-impact Who is over he? in Minnesota. Yeah, no, he hasn't done he forgot shit, his yeah. name. But that system is starting to thrive with the guys under it, and hopefully they'll be able to just add additions there. So you got to start expanding out the weapons and obviously sure up your front seven on defense and offensive line. There's just more things that you can focus on when it comes down to next season, either than your quarterback position. Absolutely. And uh, for anyone listening, Cooper Cup did avoid uh, the injury designation for this week. He was a full participant in practice yesterday. So it sounds like he'll be suiting up on Sunday uh, when the Cardinals take on the Los Angeles Rams. And yeah, Kyler Murray's return is definitely intriguing. It's been interesting to see how they're acquiescing to his play style and stature, quite frankly, in coming back, uh, fewer uh, plays from under center, as we had seen with Clayton Toon and Josh Dobbs. Tallman, is that a is that a concern of yours? Do you think they're going to build up to having him be under center more often, or is this just going to be how they have to utilize Kyler Murray because of those things, like I mentioned, stature and ability? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to be surprised if we don't see him under center, center a lot, maybe for the rest of his career. I mean, th- think about it, guys. If, if you're – put yourself in his shoes, right? So Kyler Murray, he's he's way How more – How big are com- his shoes? <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know. They're probably pretty – Seven and a half. Probably pretty small. <laughs> um, he gets the big kids section at Coles. Uh, <laughs> yeah, or Journey's kids. Um, he, I mean, he's so much so much more comfortable in the shotgun. So – and and that's where he's he's excelled out of the shotgun. Granted, it it really handcuffs the offense and you know run game, play action, all that fun stuff. But I mean, are you really gonna just force this guy under center when he's not comfortable there? And what we saw when he's under center, he he turn when he turns his back to the uh, to the line of scrimmage, he doesn't do very well when he turns back around with his reads. He ended up throwing that interception. In that last game, I mean, the guy, he just, I don't know. I I mean, so what I'm saying here is don't force him under center, leave him in the shotgun. That's where the, that's where the kid's comfortable. I mean, and in the off season, maybe he's really got to put in some work on that, but right now he just, he can't do it. You know, whenever he turns his back to that line of scrimmage, he struggles coming back and being able to read you know, the defense. I mean, it's, it's just obvious Be- because he never does it. The guy just, he, right. you know, he's got to get those reps and under center. But obviously when you're you're under center and you're able to hand the ball off to your running back who's already in almost full stride rather than when you're in shotgun and you just say, hey, here's the ball. Yeah, try to run through all those big-ass dudes on the line of scrimmage. It's going to hurt the running game. Um, James Conner helps, though, because he is a powerful runner. But... I mean, if, if we can get him under center and we can get those those run plays where, you know, like I said, you have your, your running back already at full speed when he gets the ball, you're going to have more success. But he just can't do it. I don't know. He just can't do it. No, I think you're absolutely right. And uh, tying into what you're saying, the play action is a huge part of being able to open up the passing game. And so for a quarterback to have that ability is kind of kind of crucial. And I think until Kyler Murray can demonstrate the ability to run that type of play successfully defenses are going to call his bluff and think it's an option or you know something like that 
Uh, and it's tough because Kyler Murray does have the ability to extend plays with his legs where he can get you know, yards himself, either, you know, rushing it or extending a play to get, allow a receiver to get open. So you almost wonder how much, you know, they really value that if they really want to force him under center or play to his strengths. And I think that's going to be an interesting, you know, proposition for this coaching staff moving forward. Um, but Mike, what do you really think? Like, do you think Kyler needs to get under center more or do you think playing to his strengths and letting him kind of go from the shotgun in that type of setup is more conducive if you will you always want to put your players into the best positions for their skill set right so right now what we've seen is Kyler Murray is the most successful out of shotgun but I'm also the same proponent where you have to continue to throw wrinkles into your offensive sets so if sometimes you set up an I formation freaking stack the line with two tight ends run the ball down their throat because that's one of the biggest things about this team right now is we have to continue to rely on the running game in order to open up everything because it's just not there our weapons aren't there no you know michael wilson is going to miss another one so you're talking about a wide receiver core that averages what five foot nine you don't have anybody that you can throw the ball up to either than trey mcbride and that's another guy who is just getting into his role so you have to give a grace period for that i think the biggest thing about under shotgun too is obviously your offensive line and how fast is pressure getting to Kyler Murray right now. And it's been a revolving door at the guard positions. I know Will Hernandez has missed some time. DJ Humphreys is a shell of himself. I wouldn't be surprised if he's not on this team next season. And Paris Johnson is a rookie who has shown great promise and is going to be a good player for this offensive line moving forward. But there's a learning curve, right? You're going to have times where he's getting dominated by guys like Nick Bosa and Chase Young and Aaron Donald, you know, those guys coming off the edge who have been perennial pro bowlers in this league. So it, it takes time. I don't want to go out there and say, no, we can't put him under sender ever. Because if you want to be a complete quarterback, you got to be able to do it all, damn it. Like, it's it's not just you can't be a one-trick pony. I don't care how big you are. you got to figure out a way to enhance your game and continue to add wrinkles into this offense because that's what we've been missing. And that's what we've seen out of Kyler Murray over the past couple of seasons. You talk about the season where we started 9-1, and one, teams started to catch on to our offensive sets. And then when we finally drudged into the playoffs, it was a disaster. And we just could never pick up from there because there was plenty of tape on him. So there's going to be plenty of time to grow this out. But I don't want to put a kibosh on under center. Like, you got to try. Oh, you you nailed it, though. Because this team, they're so predictable when we're just running out of shotgun every single play. I mean, your bag of tricks can only be so big, right? And you brought up a great point about the pressure because that has been... I mean, these these last two games or uh, Kyler's first two games, what has he been doing a lot? He's been running a little bit for his life. You know, he hasn't had time. I mean... We haven't even seen the guy really step up in a pocket with confidence yet because you can't. How can you when that there is no <laughs> yeah. pocket? How, yeah. You can't. You're literally every time he's rolling out uh, to the right. But it's it's the predictability though of, of the offense when you're in that shotgun. And I mean, you you pretty much nailed it. I mean, you, there's tape on all of it. We know what Kyler's going to do. 
if he doesn't have a quick read, if, or okay, if he doesn't hand off the ball and he's going to throw it, if he doesn't throw it right away, what's he going to do? He's going to scramble out of the pocket. He's either going to keep himself or he's going to chuck it downfield in the sideline. Like that's, I mean, the, 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 the book on Kyler is very short because, you know, that's all he does. It's so short. <laughs> yeah, you want another short joke? I'm sorry. Oh I'm sorry, man, I'm give sorry. the kid a break, dude. He's just oh, I, I feel bad for him. He's not all, even. All the he's not even he that short. He's like five ten. Five, five ten. Yeah, ten and then and put him put whatever. him in a good pair of cleats. You know, after a nice shampoo, you know, the, he'll be glistening in the sun with his nice tall cleats, and you know, maybe he's five eleven. Dude, put him in a pair of Converse. He's six two, man. Have you seen those things? Holy shit! <laughs> there you go. Yeah, get the kids some heels. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean to night, derail Kyler. you there. No, I, no, you're I, good. Yeah. No, so I think the the overall um, consensus here for uh, this topic is yes, we we need to see him under center more. You need to challenge the kid, like Mike said. You know, if you're going to be the best, one of the best quarterbacks in the league, you got to be able to do everything. You can't be a one trick pony. Yeah, you're great at running the football and scrambling out of the pocket, uh, creating plays when you should be dead to rights. Um, and creating plays with your feet, but you know you, you got to be able to do you know all the big football stuff like under center. I mean that's the, his numbers are crazy in his career. He spent what maybe two percent of snaps under center in his entire career. That's not an accurate stat. I'm not looking at it in front of me, but I bet you that my guess right there is pretty pretty damn close. To probably what he's done in his career. Yeah, no, you're you're not wrong. Uh, but talking about Kyler Murray and maybe his future with this team, we're looking at a sixteen million, uh, excuse me, sixteen million dollar cap hit for this season in twenty twenty three. Next year, that jumps up to fifty one point eight million dollars on a cap hit that the Cardinals are going to take for Kyler Murray's services. And I think that's the the elephant in the room here is is Kyler Murray our quarterback of the future? Is he the guy that we're going to have eat up? you know, a third of our cap room, if not at least a quarter of it. And how much can you build around him with that much wiggle room left? Like you mentioned, Drake May and Bo Nix, Caleb Williams, all highly touted college prospects coming out. Uh, we were talking about it when we were doing some show prep is like, do we really want to take a gamble on that guy? And at the same time, would we also be taking a gamble on Kyler, expecting him to fully flourish and become a franchise quarterback at that $51 million price tag? I mean, I don't want to draw comparisons to DeAndre Ayton because I think what Kyler Murray has done for the Cardinals is far greater than what Ayton has done for the Suns. But is Kyler going to live up to $51 million next season? When we're talking about him taking snaps under center and his ability on offense, his ability to stay healthy, what you can build around him, I mean, there's another whole whole question about the receivers we're going to have next season, the weapons you we want to call it. Uh, Mark, Marquise Hollywood Brown is going to be a free agent. Do we re-sign him? How much money do we pay him? And so when you talk about two guys that could be commanding, a, you know, potentially a total of $70 million combined or more of the cap space, then you still have to build out a defense. And there's just a lot of questions. So I know we kind of foreshadowed this a little bit, and I know you guys are both on the side of keeping Kyler Murray but I think there is a case to be made for how he plays in these next, what, five, six games of the season. Is this really a prove it to keep his job or is it a definite for sure thing that he keeps it? Mike, what do you think? I think it's still open ended and you have to when you talk about an entire regime change. The one thing we've always said is this isn't Jonathan Gannon and Monty Austin Ford's guy. 
But as the season has gone along and they've seen his progression through his rehab, it seems like they've taken an immense liking to him. And you can become the guy even if you weren't drafted, right? I think one of the things that Tallman has talked about for a while now is we do see that big cap hit and the big numbers when it comes down to Kyler Murray's contract. But at the end of the day, I think after next offseason, he's probably going to be, what, the seventh or eighth highest paid quarterback? So yeah, probably. You're probably s- close. Yeah. So you're sitting in a good position because one of the other conversations I've been hearing too is what are the Dallas Cowboys going to have to do next offseason? Because they're going to have to either re-sign Michael Parsons and C.D. Lamb, who are both going to command big-time numbers. Dax, I don't know if Dak is up as well or he got a big chunk. I'm, I'm not exactly sure, but... You know, that's that's the NFL game. How do you fit the best players that you can onto a roster and pay everybody the proper way? I don't know. It seems somehow the San Francisco 49ers always seem to freaking do it, bring in Christian McCaffrey and Chase Young and all these high-profile guys, re-sign Nick Bosa to crazy numbers. That's beside the point. But, yeah, when it, when it comes down to it, I think we're in a better spot than we think and a Big, big reason of that as well is because of the draft capital that we've been able to collect from our previous draft with all the workings that Monty Austin Fort did. But you're going to have to hit on those, right? And, and we've started to see some successes from the guys that they brought in this season. When you talk about Dante Stills, who has had a nice rookie season, we're still kind of on the fence with Keetrell Clark and Garrett Williams, but they're going to continue to have opportunities especially especially with marco wilson's still just absolutely sucking ass <laughs> but you know you got to hit on your draft picks when you have invested capital into your premium positions and then see if you can get one-off guys that's just how you have to do it to be successful in this league if you're not going to open up the pocketbook to a whole bunch of guys yeah you, i mean you're 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 on to something there mike there's just too much money uh, you owe Kyler too much money. And even if you want to move off of him, how are you going to find a team that's going to take that contract with his injury history or not? Obviously, he doesn't have a long really history of it. It's just the one big injury. It's the one big one that he's coming off of, right? So unless this kid goes out there and he torches in the next six games, and then you're going to find a team that's going to want to trade for him and take on that contract. But if he goes out and torches then you're going to want to keep him. There's no point in getting rid of him. You know what you know what you're going to get from him. You know the type of player he is, his skill set. He's a very talented player. And then you go turn around and you're going to draft uh, one of these quarterbacks in the draft. You don't know what they're going to be. What type of quarterback are they going to be? Are they going to have success at the next level, at the professional level in the NFL? Because that college to NFL, that's a really, really big jump. And it's very tough for some of these kids to come in to the NFL game and be successful. I mean, the list is list is very long of kids that have been incredible, just stars in college, right? And then they come to the NFL and they can't hang. Yeah. You know, they can't play the game. You know, and it's it's a huge jump. So, I mean, at this point, if you're a Cardinal fan, you, you want Kyler to succeed. You want us to maintain that good draft uh, position. And you want to see Kyler stay because those are really big numbers, right? And you could cut him, um, but if you're cutting him, you're 
basically they've already paid him like a hundred million dollars, right? So you're cutting him, paying him a hundred million for two years of service, and then you're ta- you're still owing him money, and you're taking an eighty-five million dollar cap hit and dead money, and that's just going to hurt you. But you're basically, if you cut him, you're the way to look at it is you're cutting him, you're drafting a quarterback in the top five, and basically you're in your mind you're paying that rookie quarterback fifty million. So the it's financials, the same, it's yeah. still. So you're, if you think someone else is better than Kyler, you're just trading, and then you're in the same position, right? Because that rookie, that rookie quarterback is going to be on that rookie contract, and and then you're going to owe Kyler all that money. You're going to take all that dead cap hit, but it's it's just there's no there's no point in moving on from him. The other question that I have, this is specifically for you, Chris, as well. When I think about this Arizona Cardinals team, specifically the last two seasons, we really can't put the blame on the defense, right? This defense has continued to keep this team in games. We've had opportunities. I mean, we could talk about exactly last week. We have three turnovers right? deep in the territory, and we can't get anything off of them. We're a couple of pieces away from this team being successful on the offensive end and talking about a winning franchise that can get you into the playoffs. Are you willing to take a risk on a brand new guy and go through the lumps of that, possibly have to sit around for another two seasons before they're really ready to take the leap that is necessary to propel this team into playoff positioning with a tough NFC West still, right? It's it just the NFC West continues to still be the same. Yeah. So would you rather roll with Kyler Murray, who's getting better off of his surgery? We know he's a guy who won NFL Rookie of the Year, has been a multiple-time Pro Bowler, at one point had this team perfect through eight games. I'd rather take the proven commodity. It's the same thing when we talk about draft picks. Why would you not roll with somebody who you know what you can get? There might be limitations, but why am I going with the unknown? Yeah. No, I think that's that's the perfect argument right there. And uh, and why I think that I've been kind of moved towards wanting to keep Kyler Murray. I mean, what we were literally talking about it like I don't know like you're exactly like you're saying there it sets you back to have to draft a rookie and then you have to build your whole team around that timeline and I I mean some of the moves they made this offseason and what they did which is not a lot kind of leads me to think that they could be leaning towards that way but I think they're still on the fence where they did want to see what they had in Kyler Murray Tallman I don't think there's any world where you cut Kyler Murray like if you don't find a trade partner for him you're keeping him no matter what yeah, you have to. Like, cutting it him just is absolutely just not an option. Like, no. Why are you going to eat that much money? It makes no sense. No, it doesn't. But I, I think that that is, for me, if Kyler doesn't prove himself, if this offense wants to go in a different direction with a quarterback who can be under center and they have a clear plan, either through a trade, through free agency, or the draft, if they really like one of these rookies, I mean, I know even Michael Penix Jr. out of Washington, his draft stock is is rising rapidly. Yeah, he's like top 10 uh, He's in some of the uh, mock drafts. Yeah, he's pretty good, man. Um, so I don't know, though. The, the, again, like you got there are rookies that have come in and been day one starters who have shown that they're able to do it. I mean, just look at what Brock Purdy is doing with the San Francisco 49ers, and he was Mr. Irrelevant. Like, I know those are one-off situations, but like when you have five or four or five really highly touted quarterback prospects, like it is, there is some level of intrigue there. But I just think if there's no trade route for getting off of that contract, you have to keep Kyler no matter what. But I, I am very curious to see what happens in, in the last half of the season with him 
at the helm being the quarterback. And I think he will shake off the rust by the end of the season. And I, I am, I'm more optimistic than not at this point. I think his, his, the way he played in against Atlanta was really impressive. And I really, that was my biggest concern was, is he going to be hesitant to run? Is he going to be a different player? And he really just picked up right where he left off. And that's exactly what you want to see. So that's what really gave me, I think a boost of optimism, uh, but when we're talking about these weapons that he has, and he will need weapons to get success and to show that he's worth it too, Hollywood Brown is what five all of five foot nine, like he's not a big wide receiver. And when you look at a uh, Tankathon right now, they have us taken not them, but like where we at are at in the rankings, we're taking the second pick in the NFL draft if the season ended today. And so Tankathon in their mock draft has the Cardinals taking Marvin Harrison Jr. out of Ohio State with that second pick which I I mean, obviously a generational talent, a guy who can really make a difference on an offense. I mean, you think of the last wide receiver we took with a, with a first round draft pick. And I, I think that was Larry Fitzgerald it had to be right. As in a position that the Cardinals are in, I wanted like to say that confidently. Three. Yeah. Yeah. Like a top three. No, we took, um, Oh shit. Yeah. Was I don't Michael know. Michael Floyd. A, a no, I think he was a second pick. rounder. Oh man. That's a great, that's a great point. So used to us drafting a linebacker in the first round. Yeah, I should have just rolled it that confidently. Like, uh, yeah, you, you absolutely, one hundred percent, the truth. Because it just probably it probably is though. But I didn't want to come out right out and say that Marvin Harrison Jr. could be the next Larry Fitzgerald because you, you never know. But I do think that there is, for me, a strong desire for us to get a guy like that. I really would like to see them take Marvin Harrison Jr. But I've heard a lot of Valley Sports pundits saying that the Cardinals shouldn't look to take a wide receiver in the first round and basically saying they shouldn't take Marvin Marvin Harrison Jr., that there are greater needs on this roster and positions that they could fill out either on the defense or, Mike, like you're saying, the offensive line. Do you think there's merit to that, or should should they absolutely take Marvin Harrison Jr.? Tallman, I mean, I'll, t- I'll pass it to you first. Okay, yeah, so, uh, Mike, you're right. Uh, Michael Floyd... Was a first round pick. Oh, yeah. Okay, damn. And in 2012, yeah, he's 13, 13 overall. Um, okay, so this is just—it's funny that we're having this conversation um, because it's just a no-brainer. I, anyone out there that's is saying that if they have the chance to draft Marvin Harrison, and oh no, we need we need a, an edge rusher. Oh no, we need a cornerback. We need a, another offensive lineman. Right? No, b- bullshit. You take this guy. This guy is probably the best player in the draft. How often is a wide receiver one of the top five draft picks? Not very. Not I don't. Not too think, often. Yeah, I feel like more often than you. Let think. me go, go ahead. Well, me. Let me look well, this up well quick. nowadays in the last couple of years, it's been you have three quarterbacks flying off the board. One, two, three, because quarterback is the most needed position in the NFL. It's the toughest position in all of sports. That is the hardest position out of any sport across the board. And to find people that can succeed at the highest level against the best competition, against the fastest, strongest, quickest people in the entire world, it's really tough. It's hard. And if you, I mean, we can't all be like the 49ers where we're paying our starting quarterback half a million dollars because he was the last pick of the draft. And he's only lost, what, two, three regular season games now? The kid's a stud. That We can't all be that lucky, especially after the 49ers absolutely whiff on maybe the worst draft day trade in history, trading up to get Trey Lance, and he's 
awful, and then you end up going with the with the kid that you draft in the same draft as Trey Lance as your starting quarterback, and you're one of the best teams in the NFL. You know, for Arizona sports, we, we just can't be that lucky, all right? So let's not compare ourselves to others, because you know what happens when you compare yourself to others. It never works out for you. So I you got to take him. You have to. I mean, this team, you need that dynamic playmaker on offense. And it totally works out, too, because Hollywood's contract's up. He's a free agent. So what, are you going to pay Hollywood? No, no, you do not pay Hollywood. He's not wide receiver one. He does not deserve to be paid as a top wide receiver on a team. If you can get him on a deal, if he wants to do a little hometown hometown discount, which he's not going to, you don't re-sign him. You don't pay him $20 million a year. You draft Marvin Harris, you take a, you, you, you push up Rondo more, give Dorch some more exposure, and then you hope this, this Wilson kid can play, actually stay on the field and not act like he's still in Stanford. Oh, he was waiting to drop that one. I I was. You already know it. Because he's, he's great when he's available. And what's the best trait you can possibly have as any type of player in any sport? What is it? What's the best, what's the best trait to have? Availability. availability, right? Because yep, yep. you could be you could be the shit and the piss, but if you're not playing, well, then what's the point? You're chopped liver to me. It doesn't matter. But you have to draft Marvin Harris. There's just whoever's sitting out there saying that they should not do that because they have more glaring needs on this team. No, when you're in top five in the draft, even top ten, if you have a chance to draft one of the best players in the draft, you go best available. Right, I'm not saying go draft Caleb Williams because he's the best of it. No, that doesn't make sense. But you draft the best non-quarterback that you can get because it's literally going to change. It's going to change the offense drastically. You have to pick him. Tallman, do you remember when we were in the same predicament where we had to draft best available? Do you remember who we took? Isaiah Simmons. <laughs> yeah. Is that what it was? And I was stoked when we picked him too <laughs> because the hype was real. So- for that kid it was so so big right one off occasions it doesn't work out but in marvin harrison you're talking about i mean generally generational talent i don't know if that even justifies what this kid is six four 205 yards six three i was even wrong wow huge target (laughs) that's what we need incredible speed has great hands and it is a need that this Cardinals team is going to have. So when they talk about all these other positions, like you were saying, that we need to address, we're, we have to address the wide receiver position because Rondell Moore is a one-trick pony. We, this is who he is at this point. Unless you're giving him wildcat formations or maybe getting uh, two deep balls a season, uh, he can't get involved. Like it, it, He hasn't panned out. It hasn't worked. And Michael Wilson has promise but he's also still a rookie. Like I'm not ready to put a huge like investment into him just yet to be a number one guy. So if you get somebody like Marvin Harrison Jr. automatically comes in, is your number one wide receiver, can get you 80 to 90 catches in that first season just by his sheer talent alone. It's, it's, a, it's a no-brain decision. Now, when it comes down to obviously what might happen – where it might not be the case if the Arizona Cardinals finish with the number two pick. I, I got to bring up another guy, Kyler Murray's guy in C.D. Lamb. 
If he doesn't re-sign with the Dallas Cowboys, you know the Arizona Cardinals are going to make a push for him, and they should. I'd love to have him. And this guy has been a superstar in the NFL, man. He really has. I mean, this year alone, he has 78 catches, over 1,000 yards, and six touchdowns already. Through week 12? That's... Yeah, he's, he's I, won I me mean, some money, too. He, he, <laughs> he can almost get you, if you think about it at the end of the day, he's going to get 1,500 yards in an offense that is just high-flying with the Dallas Cowboys, and the ball goes everywhere. For him to still dominate with those kind of numbers is God, impressive. That would be about the an Cowboys easy decision. A lot, Mike. But that's I'm the little, only uh, reason why I'm... Comfortable. Uh, that's the only reason why I'm thinking about if that opportunity comes and you have the number two pick, maybe Monty Austinfort pulls a switcheroo once again oh, and saying, trades off of you're it. You're saying trade the... The second overall you trade off of it, you gain yeah, other capital, then you can really look wow. to get a top tier cornerback, maybe an inside guard. Well, look to I think address that's exactly other what options. they're looking at. But yeah. that's the yeah. only way. If you stuck at number two, if you're not taking Marvin Marvin Harrison Jr., it's a disgrace at the end of the day. That's the way that I think. And, and we're forgetting that we have the Texans first round pick, right? I mean, you can still get a solid a solid cornerback or edge rusher at number 20, yeah, number 19 in the, round, in, the, yeah. in the first round of the Absolutely. draft. Like you can still get a guy that's going to make a huge difference on your team and fill a huge hole. So, I mean, I guess all we have to hope for is the Texans just to absolutely fall off the, the edge right now and just have a terrible rest of the season, but it's probably not going to happen. We're probably going to have that, that second first round pick is going to be 18, 19, 20, 21, but like we can't forget about that. You got to take Harrison, and then you still have that first round pick to where you can fill your most glaring need on the team, no matter what side of the ball it is. Yeah, because I mean, any any player taken in the first round has a shot of being great. I mean, especially even later on, we've seen guys in second, third, fourth round become great players in the NFL. It's really kind of a crapshoot because these guys, uh, while they do develop in college, they will continue to grow, and the NFL is a totally different game. But I was a little bit wrong, guys. There is precedent for taking a wide receiver top five. In the last 10 years, there have been four receivers taken top five, but none last of them... last 10 years? In the last 10 years. Oh, Do you want to try and name guess? them? Yeah, yes. yeah, go for it. Oh, do it. Start it, off. Start it off. Do you want to go by year or just any any you can name? Just name them off. I know you're not going to get them well, all. Okay, all right. Do the year. It might help us out. You want me to name the year and then you try and name the player? Yeah. That might be harder. Just try and... Okay, okay. Uh, t- so we'll go... Most recent to yeah for this yeah. one. So in 2021, there was a wide receiver taken with the fifth overall pick. 2021. I think I know this one. Oh, shit. Go. Garrett Wilson? No, it is Jamar Chase. Oh, fuck. Okay. Yeah. Uh, in 2017, there was a wide, rec- a wide receiver taken with the number five overall pick by the Tennessee Titans. Oh, A.J. Brown. Oh, yeah. No. No. no? Oh. oh. What? In You're not going to get this one. Corey Davis. Oh, oh damn it. Okay. okay. Uh, in 2015, there was a wide receiver taken with the number four overall pick. 2015? 2015. That wasn't OBJ, was it? No. What? I guess if you say the team, it's going to give it away. I, I guess I'd be worse at, at trivia yeah, this than... Is, this is hard, man. The I Raiders. Thought. Oh, oh, oh. Um, dude, uh, Henry Ruggs III? No, nope. he was... 2015. More recent. Oh, okay. Oh, he doesn't oh. play for the Raiders anymore. Oh, uh, Amari Cooper. Correct. Yes. Oh. Okay. In 2014, there was a wide receiver taken with the number four overall pick. Oh, no. 
That's going really too far. That's almost a decade. I don't know if yeah, I can pull that yeah, one yeah. out. Yeah. Who's the team? Uh, I believe it was the Buffalo Bills. I, I could be wrong. Oh. He did play for the Buffalo Bills, though. It, it's not Stephon Diggs. No, he was on uh, the Vikings. I think no. he also played for the Chiefs later in his career. Oh. God damn it. Um, Travis Benjamin? No, that was Florida State. Oh, man. Tra- who the hell is Travis Benjamin? Initials SW. Oh, Sammy Watkins. Correct. Oh, oh Jesus Christ. Yes. Yeah. Wait, so who did we meet? Did, did you name everybody? Yeah, yeah I did. named everyone. It was uh, Jamar Chase, Corey Davis, Amari Cooper, and Sammy Watkins. Okay. Also in 2012, Justin Blackman was drafted. With I remember him from Oklahoma pick. State. Yep. With the... It wasn't the Red Rocket. Justin Red Rocket Blackman. was Andy Dalton. Yeah, Red Rocket was Andy Dalton. But uh, do you remember that old guy from Oklahoma State who ended up oh, getting drafted by the Browns? Brandon Whedon? Yeah. Yeah, Brandon, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was yeah, he like yeah. 29? Yeah, he was He was older, yeah, yeah for sure. Funny. He like was in the military or something and still had his yeah. eligibility. I don't even remember. But yeah, so there is precedent for taking a wide receiver with a top five pick. Well, those, what, only half of those really panned out? I mean, Jamar Chase, Amari Cooper, Sammy Watkins. Yeah, I don't know. Well, Watkins was... Well, he's good for maybe two seasons. Um, he made Three some seasons. impacts in each good. place he yeah. went to. It seemed like I feel like he became not in, not he, in but he never City. He, he wasn't within the upper echelon like those other. No, guys. Yeah, yeah. no. Well, That's Jamar fair. Chase is more than Corey. Corey Davis was yeah. definitely the Jamar least. Chase is a superstar, and Justin yeah. Blackman, the honorable mention. The, neither of those guys became anything. Yep. Um, but no, but none of those guys were a top three pick, and I didn't go back far enough to see when the, the last time a wide receiver was taken with the top three pick. Um, if we want to get really specific and narrow it down. I mean, there is no guarantee that we're going to have that number two pick. There are still games to be played. I mean, with Kyler back, the hope is that we can win some more games. It seems like this team is trying to be competitive and win games, which is which is good to see. You know, I, I, hate, I hate the whole tank mentality. I know teams have done that. I know we've joked and talked about us doing that a little bit. And you can talk about Jonathan Gannon's play calling decisions and maybe not taking the points at times when he should. But I think you could probably chalk that up more to a first year head coach still trying to figure it out and maybe maybe just being a little too aggressive or optimistic or whatever you want to label it. But yeah, going to be real, uh, real fun to see what Kyler Murray can do uh, with this new offense, new coaching system. Uh, Trey McBride has been a diamond in the rough. What an absolute stud filling in for the injured Zach Ertz. And I think, honestly, a guy that I think will be a, a cornerstone of this offense going forward. I, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic, guys. Honestly, I just think there's going to be a lot of fun conversations to have as we finish out this season and moving into the off season. And uh, I know I use this word, I've been using this word a lot, but reason to be optimistic uh, for, for the future of the Cardinals. Honestly, I think, I think every Cardinals fan should look up and uh, be looking forward. And when we're talking about being optimistic, another Valley Sports franchise that I think a lot of us are optimistic about, the Arizona Diamondbacks, man, obviously coming off the heels of their first World Series appearance since 2001, and just an incredible postseason. I miss baseball for the first time, maybe in my lifetime, to be to be perfectly honest with you. Like, man, that season, like not, not the postseason withstanding, the whole season was a lot of fun. Following this team, the growth, the youth, it was just an incredible experience. 
experience, but I'm not here to rehash all of that because there is some news. Like like I'm saying, like I'm excited for the offseason. I'm excited for them to get back to it. And they're already making some moves. The winter meetings are over. The free agency period is open. Um, but before we get into all that, the Diamondbacks unveiled some new uniforms, uh, bringing back a little bit of teal into all of their uniforms with some teal trim mixed in with the Sedona red, black. Um, and I expect at some point they'll have a, what do they call them, city edition or... Uh, whatever they're called for Los serpientes something like that <laughs> yeah um but but Tomlin, what did you uh what do you think of the new uniforms with the bringing the teal trim back yeah i think it's sweet i mean um the teal is is huge i mean just going to some of those playoff games when you're walking around a lot of the fans are wearing the throwback the throwback colors you know the black and teal and you know you don't see a lot of the red i mean right now i'm sitting next to mike i'm wearing a teal D-back shirt, and he's he's rocking a, an old school D-backs teal hat. So, uh, but really, just seeing the fan, the fans love the teal man, and um, I'd love to see them just go back to the original Diamondbacks uniforms. But I mean, that's you know that's probably not going to happen. Um, but I think they're I think they're crisp. I like them. I like them a lot. Mike, are you digging them? Yeah, dude. I think that black one is a top three uniform in franchise history already. I think yeah, that's that probably my favorite. That, that sweet, the yeah. outline is so crisp. Um, I like how I believe the red ones is I do the, like the full red Diamondbacks logo or you know name across it. That's pretty cool too. Our A hasn't changed either than the outline. It's clean, crispy. Take advantage of a huge World Series run and make sure that you put this team in front of everybody and just keep it rolling. I kind of got caught off guard with them bringing new uniforms. I didn't really know that it was something that was in the works, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I had no idea. It was a complete surprise to me. Um, and can, guys, on this on this podcast for the first time, can I admit something a, a little bit embarrassing? Sure, go for it. All right, so it was the other day. I think I was listening to the radio or something, but I didn't realize that the Diamondbacks logo, Mike, the one that's on your hat with the snake, uh, it, it makes the letter D. Excuse me? Did you know that, Tallman? <laughs> Tallman, am I blowing? Am I blowing his mind right now? Tallman's at a literal wa- oh, loss of no. words right now. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. What did you All think right, it look, was? Look down. I just let thought me, it was a snake. Let I, me see. It's like a coiled yeah, snake. Show, I thought it was just a coiled snake. It, it makes Yo, a, that D. Is a D. It's a straight up D. It's always because they're the D. Diamondbacks. Oh. It's always been a D. Fuck. Oh, no, oh, um. <laughs> you should have kept that one in the vault, God man. Damn it! All right, I can't. But I just exposed Tallman too. <laughs> you just did expose no, me. No, y'all both. I wasn't ready to Jeez. come out yet. <laughs> I wasn't ready to come out. Why did you just? <laughs> I'm sorry. You just outed me, man. I'm sorry. I don't. I, I can't. I, I imagine we are not alone. On like Thanksgiving, any, if anybody is listening Wait. to this, please comment and let us know if you knew all along that oh, it was a d or if we just blew your mind because that is a d it's totally a d very clear that once you see it you can't unsee it oh i thank you tallman i feel so yeah, much better yeah you, i really you got, appreciate you it. got me too mike you knew all along oh, of course i did no you did he's, your your he's valley sports right cards are teetering at the moment chris we might have to pull back out your pittsburgh one and leave you over there holy oh, shit oh no 
I just don't have ex- a excuse. D? I don't have. An I excuse. don't have an excuse. Yeah. It's a D. It is a D. That's a total D. Because <laughs> so they're the Diamondbacks. Come on. Oh, Not really. No. It looks like a snake. It just dude. looks like a, like snakes coil. Like they do yeah, that. They, Chris, when you do, it's the, getting ready to strike. When you put this one up on YouTube, you better put a picture of this logo yeah, so people can see and you. then make a mockery out of you. Because that's absolutely ridiculous, man. It is very clear. Very simple. Yeah. I'm embarrassed. Like I said, I had to admit that I had to get that off my chest because it was just literally this week driving home from work that I realized um, and it was brought to my attention that the the snake logo is a D. Um, And I think it was partially uh, from a conversation about these new uniforms, which uh, at first I didn't I didn't love them. I think change is always hard. You know, it's not easy, but I think they'll grow on me, especially once we see them in action and the whole team wearing them and out in the field playing their games. I would really like to see him bring back a retro uniform. They did it, I think, once last season, and Zach Gowan was all about it. He loves the purple and teal. Well, they used to do it every Thursday, right? Oh, I think you're right. Throw, yeah. Throwback while, Thursday? Yeah. A couple years ago, yeah. Yeah. So hopefully, yeah, hopefully they bring back something like that. I'd really love to see it. Or like they did the Ser- Serpientes jersey this last season. Maybe they do a, a different uh, City Connect, right? City Connect. City Connect, yeah, City Edition go. is a NBA, I think. But yeah, City Connect... Um, was those fun jerseys that the MLB rolled out for their team. So maybe they do a more of a traditional nod with the teal and purple for that. I, I would love to see it. But uh, uh, uniforms aside, uh, the, like I said, the Diamondbacks have been making some moves this offseason. The most notable so far is a trade they made with their favorite trade partner, the Seattle Mariners. <laughs> um, they got Eugenio Suarez, uh, the third baseman, which will uh, – Hopefully, you know, answer our need for that. Uh, we gave up uh, prospects Sevi Savala and Carlos Vargas, um, who Savala was a catcher and Vargas was a right-handed pitcher. Um, but they they weren't guys that were really ta- uh, slated to be coming up for us anytime soon. Obviously, we got those positions pretty well rounded out uh, with Gabriel Moreno, obviously, and then with the pitching staff. I just don't think Carlos Vargas was ready to come up and be a part of this team. But that aside... Eugenio Suarez is the main piece here. Uh, huge, huge ad for this team, I think. He he was, I don't want to say incredible. Like he had about, I think, a 250 batting average. He's a guy that can, he can go yard, but he can also hit for average as well. And he's a above average fielder as well, from what I understand. So we were talking about guys, I think, last month, like Matt Chapman and going towards maybe trading for a Nolan Arenado type guy. Obviously, I don't think either of those moves are going to happen now. So, Tallman, when, once the dust settles here, with as far as the third base position goes, are you happy with the way this trade cap happened? Yeah, I'm, I'm happy with it. Um, I'm still trying to get over how that's a D, and I'm such a disgrace. <laughs> My goodness. Uh we're no, not alone, Tom. Yeah. I guarantee you, we're not alone. Yeah, that's that's good. Um, I I think it was a great trade. Uh, you filled probably the biggest hole on the team. Um, what the guys? He's he's thirty two. Um, I think he's his contract. I think he's owed maybe eleven and a half million, just under twelve million. So it's right in the sweet spot of what this team is is going to be doing. Um, I mean, we're, we're not. <sighs> I don't want to say we're not going to be having that big splash signing where we're going to, you know, dish out a $200, $250 million deal, but who knows, you know, hopefully we do. Um, but with, with Suarez, um, I mean, he's a guy you can hit for power. He's a right-handed bat, which we needed. You know, we're losing fam. Um, and, uh, he doesn't, he does, he's not owed a lot of money. He can hit the ball. Um, like you, like you mentioned, Chris, he can play some defense. Um, he does strike out a lot. 
Um, I want to say he was close to leading the NL in strikeouts last year. Oh yeah, that's um, over two hundred times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so so the guy can uh, so can, he, he can whiff a lot. So he's always swinging for the fences. It sounds. I like. yeah, who knows? Or he's, um, uh, but maybe he can sharpen that up. But we we do we do need that extra power. We are losing Guriel, um, who a guy who's projected to get like fifteen to twenty million a year, which is just crazy to me. Um, but you know that's we're missing that we're we're. With Guriel gone, we're missing that extra pop off the bat. So he'll do that. He'll fill the need at a very low price. And, I mean, you just mentioned the trade. We did not give up a lot to get this guy. So he's going to be good. He's going to be serviceable. He's not going to be an all-star. I mean, we'd love Chapman to uh, to come in. But um, but I think, he, think it was a great trade. Yeah, I got to be honest, guys. I loved it as well because you're talking about another veteran presence, right? Because true, we probably yeah. know that Longoria is going to be gone. But 10-year pro spent uh started his career with detroit and then seven years with cincinnati and then obviously the last two with the mariners but he's played over 140 games in seven years of his career so he's a everyday kind of guy and tallman hit it right on the head you're talking about production that's going to fit right in with what lordy lordis goriel jr did last season he hit 22 home runs 96 rbis I think lordis was right around 25 and 82 yeah uh, similar numbers to Cattell. But, you know, a guy who can be on the field every single day and still give opportunities to these young guys, I think that's going to be a big thing as well. Because I was seeing some kind of mock, not mock drafts, we're, we're all so used to mock drafts, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. like mock roster everyday kind of what you might be looking at. And it sounds like it might be Jake McCarthy in left field. And then DH could be Dominic Fletcher. But it, the things are still moving around because... You know, Tommy Pham has now elected for free agency. We already knew that Lourdes Goriel was going to be gone, and Evan Longoria and Emmanuel Rivera were just kind of fill-ins until you could get something that was solidified moving forward. And we know this team is about filling in pieces at not discounted rates, but what works for them. We'll see. Maybe they throw the bag at some guys for relievers or another big starting pitcher. So for them to start knocking out stuff this early within the offseason is just awesome to see. Yeah, no, it it really has been awesome. And I love that they're willing to use the money they made from this World Series run and the playoff run to reinvest it back into the payroll and make moves like this. I mean, when we talk about getting Matt Chapman, I think that was a little bit unrealistic and I'm honestly glad they didn't do that because he's getting a little older he would want probably a four or five year contract and about 20 million a year from what I understand and it's just like to use up that much money on an aging third baseman I just don't know if that's the smartest thing especially like Mike you're talking about the youth of this team and how much room they have to grow I mean the question now is like did they get Geraldo Perdomo back or do they are they ready to roll with Jordan Lawler as your everyday shortstop I mean those are like you you pointed out a lot of questions but there are so many more um and now with not getting a Matt Chapman you can use that money to go and get a pitcher which we I honestly desperately need another starting pitcher to put alongside Zach Gallon and Merrill Kelly because if you have a third and hopefully a fourth starting pitcher then you won't have a repeat of what we saw in this postseason where we were having to have bullpen games where we were having to start rookie Brandon Fott which I'm not saying Fott doesn't have a place in the rotation I absolutely think he does but you also need another pitcher that can start and 
get wins and put us in a position to be competitive because the bats were there a lot of the times last season and the pitching just let us down at the end of the day and I know there were other times where it didn't always match up where the batting would have a good day pitching had a good day but that's just baseball you know you're gonna have those up and downs but in talking about the third base position and what the future might look like there, we did get Eugenio Suarez in that trade, and Paul Sewald was stoked about it on X. Uh, he was pretty active there, and a lot of Seattle Mariners fans lo- were lamenting the fact that we're taking all their best players. Um, so so who's next? Are we going to get Julio Rodriguez? <laughs> no, probably not. No. Um, but we did get uh, a good prospect out of AAA uh, in the Yankees system, Andres Chaparro. Chaparro? Mike said I had to roll my R's there. So he plays third and first. He was number eight uh, in home runs in AAA last season with 25. So uh, a power bat, third baseman. I don't know what his defense is like, but a guy that we now have in the in the wings where if Eugenio Suarez either gets injured or isn't producing, I think he's a guy that could come up and see some minutes, uh, especially now that we I don't think we have Jace Peterson. Thank goodness, right, Tomlin? No, we do. We, we still, we have, still have Jace Peterson? Yeah. Oh, man. Okay, well. Wah, wah, but he's going to be your utility But he's utility. Guy. Yeah, he doesn't necessarily he's have gonna, a He's going to fill in. He's going to be good to have coming off the bench. And like Mike mentioned as well, we're going to have to have uh, someone – play the DH spot. So that that's another spot where if he's a power bat, I don't know if you bring him up just to play DH or if maybe Suarez plays DH and this guy plays third, but it sounds like Suarez has some defense. So I'm, I'm kind of all over the place here, but uh, Mike, what do you think about our third base depth now that we've added two third basemen this week? Yeah. I mean, like I said, you're putting your best foot forward early within an off season. So now you can start, transitioning your focus into other needs right we've already talked about shoring up our bullpen even more obviously we don't make the world series without what we did with our back end with kevin ginkle ryan thompson and paul seawald you know if you run it back with those guys that's great but you still got to look to get a little bit more depth in regard to your fifth sixth inning type of guys and you just have to get another starter, guys. Like, I, 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 you cannot stress this enough. And the beautiful thing is, we know that the Diamondbacks understand that as well. You can't roll into another postseason bid only having three starters and one of them being a rookie who obviously, in Brandon Fott, had a stellar postseason. But if you can bring in another veteran with you, get somebody who can slot into that third position so Brandon Fott doesn't feel all the complete pressure. You, you know, pitch him in that fourth spot. I mean, then you're looking at a team that might really contend for a National League West first place finish this season. And that's the next step that, that this team has to take. And that's not unrealistic at all. And I love everything that they're doing. And it really starts with the two guys that have been cemented here in Mike Hazen and Tori Lovello. Tori Lovello, of course, getting the extension. I think Hazen is still on under contract for a good good amount of time or at least a couple years. Tallman, like how much stock is there in those guys and how much of an impact they've had on this organization? And I, I know it's kind of a, an overused phrase, but really building a culture here now. Yeah, there's... Sorry. <laughs> a little footsie's never a yeah, problem. There you go. Ooh, hi. Um, there's a lot of stock in those guys. I mean, they are just instrumental to the success this team had last season. Tori Lovello, I mean, the guy finished, what, fourth in manager of the year? If that, I think so, yeah. If that voting included the playoffs, he would have ran away with that award. 100%. He was, the hands down, the best manager in all of baseball, if you combine regular season and uh, in the playoffs. Um, but Lavello has been incredible. I mean, he's the type of coach where 
You know, he's he's a player's coach. He really is. People, or excuse me, players want to play for him, and they want to give Tori Lovello their best every single time they go out there on the diamond. And, I mean, you saw Lovello. He got he got a lot of uh, no, uh, notoriety, I would say, throughout this playoff run because you saw some of his, uh, you know, after they clinched, or excuse me, after they won the wild card and then they went to the World Series, you see these videos of uh, Lovello in the locker room, you know, saying, let's fucking party. You know, the guy was, he was going at it. So you saw all these all these people in baseball react, and they're like, I had no idea how cool Tory was. You know, like, he's, and he's awesome. So he got, he got the, he got, he got to be in the, in the prime position of, everyone gets to see what Lovello's like. Finally getting the recognition there he you probably go. deserved. Yeah, because yeah. he's, he's great. I mean, there's a reason why he's been, um, I mean, normally when you, how many games did we lose? 110 two years ago? Yeah. Normally, when you lose 110 games, you lose your job too. Oh, people well. were calling for his head. I oh, mean, even yeah, just a yeah, year ago, people were asking if we should move on from Tori Lovello. Yeah, so he finally got the spotlight, and people got to see, you know, how great of a manager he is. So he's been great. Him getting his extension is 100% deserved on his part. You know, he we need to keep that guy around. He's incredible. Um, the Hazen part, Hazen. Look at what I mean. I've mentioned it to you guys before. I mean, I know there's a was it the Red Sox. Um, rumors that they're yeah. trying to mm-hmm. poach him because he came from there to, yeah. to us. Yeah, I mean he he built an incredible team. I mean anyone that can build a, a team that makes it to the World Series off of whatever our salary cap was is incredible. What he did, he did he did an outstanding job. So um, keeping him in town, which I think he's gonna stay. I mean to think about some of the stuff Hazen went through personally um, in his life um, while being a member of the, the Dimebacks organization. I mean this is like home to him. So and then you're basically sitting here, and he gets to sit back now and look and watch what he created. It's like watching your son grow up, right, or your daughter, or your you know, let's just say kid, watching your kid grow up, right, and succeed in different things. That's what Hazen's doing right now. So this is home to him. He's been through a lot of personal stuff. Um, he unfortunately lost his wife, and in the same time, he's created um, a World Series caliber team. Um, so hats off to him. I don't think he's going anywhere. I don't think you could throw any stack of money to him that would get him away from the Diamondbacks just because of the people that he's, the, the company that he has with this organization and what he's done and the relationship that he has with Lavello. Uh, but those two guys are, they, they're a major key to the success of this team this last season. And there's just no doubt about it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really agree with everything you said. What Tori's been through and to come out on top and have finally get that recognition and show that he what he was pulling a lot of the right strings throughout the playoffs and where like I you know, players play and, and coaches coach, but it seemed like he was putting these guys in a position to be successful and they were coming through. And just to talk about Mike Hazen, there was a really great article. I, I think I read it on ESPN, but I think it was I think shared on other other media outlets as well but it was just about Mike Hazen and his wife and his journey because when he got the call to come here and be the the general manager right general manager yeah um his wife was like all on board and it's just they have a great story and it's really tragic what happened and I feel really bad for the guy um but he's really overcome adversity and and I think that's what this team is really all about I mean unrelated of course but I mean they're always they really embrace that underdog mentality and Tori has given some really really incredible speeches and you know, not to do a, a hard shift here off of that, Mike, but it, you you called it at the beginning of the season when we were doing our Valley Sports Plug season preview on YouTube, our live stream. 
you call. I'm pretty sure we can check the tape, but I'm pretty sure you said Corbin Carroll was going to be the National League Rookie of the Year. Uh, check it. Check the tape. Uh, I'm not taking credit for that. Seventy five percent of anybody who's followed baseball probably called that as well. What a stellar season from this young kid. Unanimous Rookie of the Year, right? Him and uh, Gunnar Henderson, yeah, both. Yeah, both was that the unanimous. first? Was that the first time? In, both have been unanimous in um, uh, in, in a while. In it's, it's happened before. I think in the '90s and then um, before that. Yeah, just far and away, a guy who just made multiple contributions for this team, not only in the outfield, but on the base paths, timely hitting. I, I I get goosebumps thinking about where this kid can actually go because you talk about franchises who are trying to find a cornerstone it can be some of those teams who are trying to fight for Shohei. We get him at the price that we did and he's still so young to the point where I feel like he can only blossom even further than he has to start. It's very exciting and it's something that you can build your franchise around and we know we have to have those cornerstones in order to get where we really want to go and we're already on a good pace i mean (laughs) damn it we just made the world series so yeah very exciting time i think what i love most about corbin carroll is he's not just a guy who's going to do well on one side of the ball right he's not just a power bat he's not just fast on the base pass he's not just great in the outfield like he's all three of those things and granted if you had to rank all three of those things fielding is probably his biggest weakness out of those three but still not bad I mean with his wheels he can still track down balls like a lot of other players can't so to have that speed in the outfield is absolutely spectacular and yeah what he's already accomplished in just a year and a half I mean because he came in you guys remember the end of last season with the rookie call-ups and the spring the September call-ups and he he was doing pretty good and it was like got us excited for this season and that's the whole reason we were all in on Corbin Carroll and they they signed him to that extension and now that contract just looks like an absolute steal and I know he's going to earn a little bit more money in there I think I saw an article saying that he got a pretty fair amount of money from the uh, profit split of the World Series I think all the players were announced they got a pretty good chunk of change for that uh, i want to say it was like five hundred thousand. i don't know uh, monetarily not not super important but to more focus on corbin carroll like i'm just really really excited to see what this kid can do and really be the new face of this franchise going forward but there were some other guys that uh gathered some hardware in this offseason tallman did you see that christian walker and gabriel moreno got a uh, golden gloves respectfully for their positions yeah and they deserve it um i mean i've been talking for what the last couple months about Gabby I think Gabby Moreno is he's going to be one of the best catchers in in this league in the next couple years hands down I I will put all my money on that right now you know push the chips to the center of the table he's it's gonna happen so and he he even jumped out a little bit too I mean he's got some power man and he's an incredible defensive catcher Mike I know you got some stats on that Um, the guy is just he's He's taking the league by storm, and he's going to be part of this core um, with Carroll. And uh, you mentioned Walker. Walker is just—I mean, I think it was you, Chris. You're, you're thinking has has he filled the role of uh, Paul Goldschmidt? You know, has I think he has. I mean, the guy. I mean, too bad he was just kind of a shell of himself in the playoffs. But right. I mean, poor guy. I mean, I know he was he was wearing it on his sleeves, man. You could tell he was he was more frustrated than anybody 
you know, he number one, yeah, he was his harshest critic for sure. But um, the regular season that he put together, uh, the guy can the guy can hit the ball. He can hit the ball well, um, and he's just locked down at first base. You know, so those two guys are huge parts of this team, and mostly so Gabby because of his his uh, his youth and just the promise that he's shown. He's going to be one of the best catchers in this league. And I don't think it's unfair to say that we wouldn't even have maybe made the postseason if it wasn't for a guy like Christian Walker. It's like it's not any one player; it's how they all come together collectively. And he had a good number of homers, good number of RBIs. I don't have the stats in front of me, but Mike, you do have some stats in front of you on Gabriel Moreno, right? Oh yeah, man, these numbers just jump out at you from a catching position. Obviously, you're talking about a .997 fielding percentage. Had 55 assists. 22 caught stealing, which is a .614 caught stealing clip. I love it, man. It's one of the best in the league. That's why he got the gold glove. And then Christian Walker. We talked about his playoff struggles. But you think about he was still able to consistently contribute from a defensive standpoint. We can think about that huge one-handed grab in Game 2 of the World Series. There's not many guys who can do that, which is just awesome. And he had a, a a little bit of a tick better than Gabby. He was at .998 fielding percentage. Ooh. Had 77 assists. Guys, only two errors the entire season. Two errors? No shit. Unbelievable. And then, obviously, he was part of 106 double plays, which are big, key, game-changing plays that you can see within a game. And he's a sure glove at first. Call him back-to-back. You can call him... Dr. Disrespect 2.0, if you guys want to do that as well. but 1992. Dude, the way he stretches out, for he had a couple of those. Even in the, When he wasn't doing so good with the bat, he was still a stud defensively and really showed that in the, in the postseason. 100%. And I'm excited to see what kind of bounce-back performance Christian Walker can have this year because if there's anything that I can see from what kind of guy he is, he's going to take his playoff performance to heart. And I wouldn't be surprised if he comes out firing on all cylinders to start next season. So very excited what he can bring once again for this Diamondbacks club. Yeah, I'm really just so happy with this core group of guys that we have and really excited for the future. I can't I can't overstate that enough. Uh, But just the last thing I think we want to talk about about the the hardware that could have or should have been, you know, we mentioned Tori Lovello maybe should have been more widely considered for uh, coach of the year but another diamondback zach gallon was in the running for the nl cy young winner uh, he ended up finishing in third behind logan webb and the winner was blake snell, blake snell of the uh talk about another two times yeah and snell <laughs> won in both leagues he won in the american league and the national league um so another another one of those guys uh I, I don't. I just. I felt like it, he should have at least finished second. I mean, Logan Webb. When you look at his stats next to Zach Gallen, uh, weren't as impressive to me, especially when you consider that the Diamondbacks made the postseason and the Giants didn't. But my feelings aside, there, Tomlin, what did you think of Zach Gallen finishing third in the NL or the Cy Young race? You know, I. I think he he was where he was supposed to be on that list. I think. Um, I mean, the way that he just struggled after the All Star break. I mean. <laughs> Because if he would have had the same second half as he did the first half, he would have ran away with that with that award. Uh, but he truly did struggle. Uh, I think what did he go six and six after the All Star break, and his ERA was was up there. Um, I mean, it's 
it's always good to get your name on a top three of a finalist award or as a finalist for an award um, of that caliber. Um, but I mean, looking at Logan Webb, I mean, I know, I mean, the stats really don't compare, but um, who's voting for these people, man. <laughs> um, but no, I, I, I didn't expect him. His, his chance to win that award was out the window um, easily going into September. Uh, so it's, I don't know. I, I'm okay with where he's at. I, I don't think he got snubbed or anything. Is that what you're saying? No, I wouldn't say he got snubbed. I don't think he should have won. Um, I just think he should have beat out Logan Webb. Logan Webb, yeah. <laughs> he got against Logan Webb, man. But uh, like I said, he's a good. He's a solid. Pick. He's a, yeah. He's yeah. he's not bad. He's not bad. But like well, I said, where's Strider at on that list? And and I guess to be fair, um, maybe Logan Webb didn't have quite the offense support as Zach Gallon did. So I think that's something to be considered. I think they factor that kind of thing in, like wins above replacement and how many. There's just too many variables for us yeah. to really understand when it comes down to that because we're looking at the sheer numbers right in front of us. So it would make sense that Zach Gallon would end up above him. Yeah. But we still don't completely know everything. No. But that's a good question. Who does the voting for all that kind of stuff? Is it just well, I think it's MLB all, insiders? I think there's a lot or? of... Uh, yeah, there's like a whole group of like uh, reporters and analysts and I think former players, some former players. I'm not 100% certain, but... Regardless, like I said, we can sit here and talk about what coulda, shoulda, woulda been. But, hey, we got some award winners. We got the roadie, Corbin Carroll. We got a couple Golden Glovers in Christian Walker and Gabriel Moreno. And just really excited for the Diamondbacks. A lot to be excited for in the Valley of the Sun and all of our Valley sports. And, of course, we're going to keep bringing you all of the action with our recaps, with our live streams. Of course, the Heat Check podcast. We got one more left in us for 2023. That'll be next month in December. Guys, we've gone pretty long on this one already, but Mike, I want to give you the floor here. Do you have any last thoughts on uh, your Valley Sports teams? All I got to say is I hope everybody had an incredible turkey day. I'm sure we'll be hitting you before Christmas. So just keep, sons, keep plugging along. Let's see if we can make that in-season tournament. Kyler Murray, keep doing your thing as best as you can because we know this team is struggling this season. And let's just keep rocking until 2024, man. I'm super excited for next year. Absolutely. Tallman? Yeah, just want to kind of piggyback on Mike saying, um, I think I can speak for both of you guys, that uh, the Valley Sports Plug family here, we wish you and your family a very happy Thanksgiving. Hope you had an outstanding time. And uh, yeah, all, all I got to say is keep an eye out for the return of the Talman ticket. We might see something this weekend as uh, as I attend uh, a very dreadful football game that involves ASU getting their ass kicked by U of A. Oh. Also known as the Territorial Cup, which would be the last time it ever happens in the Pac-12 play. But Keep an eye out. Who knows? Maybe you get hit with some Christmas specials, maybe some some New Year specials. Who, who knows? But uh, keep an eye out. You guys have so much extra money. I need to help you lose it. So These sports books need your donations, That's right. and Tallman will help you do that. No, absolutely. For $19.99 a month. <laughs> Is that it? Oh, man. You can say Tallman from Going Bankrupt. <laughs> help fund Tallman's debauchery but no absolutely we wish you and yours a very happy holiday season we're gonna get you some more content leading up to Christmas and the new year and Hanukkah and all those happy 
uh, Kwanzaa, you know, whatever, whatever holiday you celebrate, or maybe you don't celebrate holidays, but either way, end of the year isn't always an exciting time for everybody. Um, so look forward to the new Valley Sports plug in 2024. We got a lot of exciting stuff for you in store. So make sure you're keeping track with everything we're doing. You can find us at AZ underscore VSP on X, Instagram, and TikTok. Also, just search Valley Sports Plug on Google, and you can find our Spotify, YouTube, and so much more. Make sure you're rocking with us, and let us know what you want to see, guys. We are here for you. This is your podcast, your YouTube channel. Leave a comment. Make sure you let us know what you want to see, and we'll bring it to you. Anyway, for VSP Tallman and Michael Benjamin, my name is Chris Patrick, and we'll see you next time. Peace.